this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We at Pack Your Knives love to draft so much so that we decided to draft Top Chef contestants live on the podcast. Drafting is the best. And if you're into fantasy sports, I got a stat for you. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people that have already downloaded draft too. Play in a real live NBA draft right now and be done in under five minutes. Get paid out the very next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But make sure to use my promo code HEALTHY, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, HEALTHY. That's right, play in a real money draft for free just by using my promo code HEALTHY. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering Pack Your Knives listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and play free right now with promo code HEALTHY. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, I think I am safe to say this is the most wide open Top Chef season in terms of competitiveness in recent history. Uh, there is no favorite. Four of the five elimination challenge winners fin- winners finish in the bottom three the previous week. I don't know what your analytics are showing, but I don't know who the hell is going to win this thing. There is no one who has separated themselves from the field. In my 
analytics here, just in terms of the fantasy point system that we have, by the way, the 20 points. If you win the Top Chef Elimination Challenge, you get 10 points. If you're in the uh, top three, in the bottom three, you get minus three. And then if you're eliminated, you get minus five. And then we have, you know, a couple points here and there for the quick fire vote, but there is no clear favorite. The high point person in this, and this isn't spoiler alert, we'll get into you know how people did this week, but the most points right now so far of any Top Chef contestant on this season is Christopher and Carrie have 32 points, Joe Stash has 30, then you have Tanya at 29, Bruce at 23, and Fatima at 22. Right, there are Fatima sixth place has three high finishes, no low finishes uh, in, in terms of the, the, of the final elimination. She's clearly there's again, there's no this is like as if everybody at the break in an NBA season were like 29 and 12. There were like 17. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you know, you think someone is going to you know clear from the pack and just plow ahead, whether it was Christopher or Joe Stash. And you thought Bruce was in the rut early on. He's coming on very strong. But, you know, there really isn't any sort of consistency, consistency here. And it makes for a really fun show. I think so, too. Uh, we had a major development. Leanne had to drop out. Um, altitude will fuck you up. And, and she is a she she is pregnant and she had to depart the show. So she was not eliminated, but was no longer be on the grid. And in, in the NBA, Kevin, we know this, that Denver high altitude does have an effect on your play, at least a point or two in terms of on average, the Denver Nuggets will run teams out of their gym because of the high altitude. Other teams just can't can't compete. And you had George Carl. Uh, I mean, that goes a long history that you can talk about of of teams from Denver play at a really fast pace because they know that that is a play uh, performance enhancing drug for them. And that they water boils faster. I'm curious to ask our guest today, Claudette Zapata Wilkins, if the cooking in the kitchen is modified because of the altitude. Oh, so like quick fire challenges are yeah. a little easier. Is that right? I don't know. We're going to find out. But um, yeah. really interesting. Week. I mean, all right. So let me. I'm not gonna, it's not an event, but let me let me offer something. I, I'm looking forward to this phase of the season of Top Chef ending. And in, in this respect, um, you know, the quick fire challenge was they they take one of your signature high level of difficulty dishes that takes a long time and prepare it for 30 minutes uh, for 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 a home chef. We're gonna post that you would post on BuzzFeed or, or Facebook and. And this is coming off the heels of, a, of an episode where, hey, uh, you know, uh, w- w- make something, th- make a kid dish, you know, work in a larger context. And I, I'm just, I don't enjoy seeing chefs dumb down their dishes for children or Facebook or BuzzFeed. I like to see them elevate them. Like, I don't want to suggest that adaptability is not a talent a chef should have, but I'm kind of ready to see chefs max out. I'm tired of, oh, cook in the wilderness, cook for kids, cook for home chefs. Like, I, I want to, I, I feel like I'm ready for the competition to let these chefs just take their training wheels off or, or take the constraints uh, that are weighing them down and just kind of fly. 
Yeah, because isn't the whole point of going to a Bruce Coleman restaurant or a fat, you know, eat food by Fatima is that you know that this is going to be a very time and labor intensive. It's going to take six hours or two days to to prepare that dish, and that's why you go to these restaurants is because you can't do that at home. Yeah, you know, and so there is that. I'm I'm with you. Is that some of those dishes? I'm like. Man, like when I looked at Fatih's dish, I'm like, I don't want to eat that. Not because it was a badly, poorly prepared dish, but because that's not something I care about is whether it's going to be prepared in 30 minutes at home. Exactly. You know? Like I, I want to see her do a biryani her way. And um, and that actually produced one of the like one of my more like sad moments of the season where there was like an Indo-Pakistani conflict where, you know, um, it, it, she said, our, I'm deflated. I feel like a deflated balloon right, right now. Yeah, I mean, for our listeners, <laughs> and you, you might remember in the quick fire, she did her biryani and uh, Padma did not find it sufficiently flavorful and said, hey, you cook essentially European food really well. Like, why can't you cook our food well? And Fatima was just – absolutely, I just I, – I felt the pain there. That was – um that was rough, but uh, that's like your mom saying, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, so, I mean, let's let's start with the headliner. Um, the uh, it was an elevated German challenge for for which was the elimination challenge. So, the, <laughs> so yeah. elevated German food, high German, as, as we would say. And um, and, and, and the challenge was, in addition to that, pair it with a Rattler. Tom, you're more of a beer guy than I am. Do you know what a Rattler is? This was new. I didn't. Okay. This is a blind spot for me. So I, if it was a blind spot for me as someone who loves an IPA or a Stout or a Goza, like this must have been. And this, I had a problem with Kevin. I had a problem with them being a cocktail artist. There, I did yeah. not expect them to know what beers work with fruits. Like I just didn't. I mean, maybe this is something that should be in their repertoire, but it's it's almost like. Hey, basketball player, go play soccer because it's a similar sport. Well, no, there's a ball and there's teammates and we go for a goal, but it's a different ball game. Yeah. So it, it obviously we had her, um, the the winner surprised as many. She was as surprised as as anyone was Tanya, who yeah. did a gorgeous job um, with, uh, you know, with, with, with her final dish, the, the the pork and apple croquette with the, with hey. the lovely – with a lovely pumpernickel crust, which is going to get the German in there. Um, Bruce is really coming into his own. I, I, I think that's going to be an interesting development to watch. Like, I think he's finding his game. He goes with the pork belly and the and the goat cheese spetzel, so he gets to show off his pasta with the spetzel. He, I mean, uh, did you catch him late earlier? I think he fixed it, but he called it like a spotzle. Spots. I don't. What the hell do I know? I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I, the I, my my Teutonic linguistic skills are, are pretty limited. So, but I want to say that Bruce was smart. Is that I think he had the switch a couple episodes ago where he said, "I am going to cook my food. I am not going to try to be someone else. I am not going to try to do something that I'm not uh, comfortable doing." He's cooking his food right now. So when he did the Italian version of a German dish, I thought that was very smart by Bruce, and it's paying big dividends. And, and I thought that was the general theme of both the successes and the failures. I mean, I mean, so we, we lost brother luck this week. I lost brother luck for my team. Um, he decided, hey, what if I do a Chinese egg roll but fill it with German things, essentially, right? So I can I can maintain the integrity of the contest. And at the same time, I can kind of cook the kind of food I want. Uh, it turned out and God, brother Lux, we got to get brother Luck on the show to talk about his life story. I am, I am oh. fascinated that his hippie Creole dad and hippie mom that essentially lived most of their lives in Asia as, 
as 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 what like doing floor shows? I think I think it, it was exotic dancers. Both of his exactly. parents were exotic dancers, and they named their son brother. And brother like, but basically, Asia is kind of where they spent much of their time. So he's kind of rooted in Asian cuisine, and 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 he lost, and and it was a it was a gamble, and and he kind of passed it off as, look, I gotta I gotta maintain my integrity, and I think. If you want to maintain your personal expression as a chef and a, and a challenge that kind of just annoys you, like oh German food, I, I think you got to do what Tanya did, right? She made the spice mixture her, her own. So, so inside that that croquette and the with the pumpernickel crust, she had you know essentially Creole and and, and Tanya-ish flavors. Or Claudette, who did brilliantly on this, right? Like, like she, she does taste of you know Yalisco, and so she does a cilantro lemon liverwurst the beef schnitzel and potato salad so essentially german items with a slightly um you know her native flavor but you don't have to you don't fundamentally change the formal structure of the dish or the challenge like if you want to do what he did don't go with the bok choy too like go with okay i'm gonna do an egg roll but it's gonna have landiager and bacon apple sauerkraut like you really got to german that shit up if you're actually going to put it in an egg roll, because as Tom, what's heartbreaking for him is, as Padma said, Tom, like it was a tasty dish. Like there were yeah. three people up for elimination and they all they, they kind of fucked it three different ways. Like right? one fucked the challenge. Um, Joe Mustache Joe, surprised to see on the bottom. He fucked up the protein. And then you had um, and, and then you had Adrian who fucked up the seasoning. So it's kind of the three great ways to fuck up an elimination challenge, each represented as Tom, um, as Tom Colicchio said. But but I just feel like there you can do that. I'm going to cook my food thing and still not betray the structure of the challenge. And I think brother just went over. He just he just did. But- yeah, and that's frustrating to me because, you know, Bruce for. You know, he kind of did the same thing, which is I'm going to do an Italian dish, but make it kind of German. And the the concept of doing that has been successful on the show, right? Some of the the favorite dishes on this show is when you you think, okay, I'm going to juxtapose this thing that I'm really good at and mix it with the theme of this uh, this this elimination challenge, right? But I I, I felt bad for brother. Um, I think the idea of him there's something about Asian food that might not be translatable to others. I don't know what that is. Um, but when they say like egg roll, I'm like, what's wrong with having an egg roll with full of like German food in there? That doesn't I think that doesn't like the throw me off. choy, though, is not very German. Now you're going with a Chinese, a Chinese envelope with a China, essentially a, an, yes. a, an Asian vegetable. And I think yes. had he gone a, 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 again, like had he done some really, oh, Landiager with, you know, the back, bacon, apple, sauerkraut or some cabbagey thing that is very yeah. um German in flavor rather than Asian in flavor. By the way, one of the things that's um, kind of sad to me with Leanne's departure and brother, though he's not Asian, does a lot of Asian cooking is um, I don't think there are any Asian chefs left on the show. And when I look at those plates at the Elimination Challenge, I just I mean, I'm somebody who just loves Asian food and I'm a little sad about that. I don't know that we've had a recent season of Top Chef where this early in the season, really midway, not even midway. Um, we no longer have an Asian chef in the field or, or a chef who who works primarily with Asian palate. And that's sad to me. Yeah. I mean, brother could make his way back. This is um, true. He could make his way back. And you have four you have four chefs that are still, quote unquote, alive on your team. Um, I guess we can get into it later. But two, did you did you watch Last Chance Kitchen? I, I, well, I, I feel like, wait, that's the Last Chance Kitchen that includes brother, right? Yes. All right. So I don't want to like to me, that's 
do we do that oh. on this show? Because I haven't watched it. I feel like you do okay. it for like he got eliminated. So that's next week's. Yeah, we can talk about next week. We can talk about it because it is it is drama. It is high controversy. Okay. This is this oh, is a very this is a very big moment in the show. And I think there have been times oh, in history sorry, that this Tom. has happened. Before. I felt like that was neck. Okay. Well, we're it can't gonna- be. It can, absolutely. We can hold it for next week. I just, I just didn't know if we were, we were going there. But speaking of immunity and Last Chance Kitchen, all that fun little uh, sidebars to the show, uh, I want to talk about Chris for a second here. Yes. Chris Scott, who was on the show last week, an amazing interview. We didn't touch on this part of his life that he is a recovering alcoholic, but I found it interesting in this episode they decided to pair. Um, the meal, the German meal, with it was kind of extraneous. Like I don't think anyone was saying, "Oh, it, this is German food, so we gotta have the chefs concoct their own their own beer, their own Rattler." But it really threw him off his game as being triggered by the the whole uh, going to the bar and having to drink and taste these different um, these drink the beverages. And I think he was doing non alcoholic ones. Am I right? Did you catch that? I believe so. Right, and then he was in a funk, as he said, the rest of the time. Um, but he kind of validated himself in this moment. Keegan, the, the guest judge, uh, came to you know his table at the elimination challenge, and and his dish wasn't all that great. Um, but Chris had immunity, right? And so the guy Keegan just looks at his his sausage slider and he he eats it and he just says it was very dry. And Chris says back to him, "Fair enough." And then he smiles. That smile right there was, I got immunity, bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. I am good. Like, I, you know what? You can take all your criticism for me on this episode. I'm good because I earned that, that immunity and I'm good. So there was a, this, this moment, just slide, like, yeah, fair enough, chef. Do you, okay. do you think, Tom, that his buying pre made sausages and pretzel rolls was a fuck you for the alcohol pairing? Wow. Now that is a conspiracy theory. Like it you're going to put a- me in this position where you're really going to, you know, it, hey, we know we're chefs, right? We know we've signed up for this competition. We're going to be we're going to be forced to camp in 35 degree weather and in, in, in feet of snow. We're going to have to cook in little children things. I mean, basically, you're hazed for several weeks. Right. But yeah, don't yeah. screw with something that is much bigger in my life. Don't screw with something that can really throw. I mean, I, I'm not going to have, uh, you know, I don't need to suffer trauma on something like this that I've worked so hard. And so he buys, he does what I call it. I call it the immunity brain fart. It's like (laughs) you kind of know your survival instincts are a little less sharp because you know you're fine. So you actually like go buy pre-made sausage and pre-made pretzel rolls. Like it is, I kind of took that as, yeah, he really was having, I mean, from an honest standpoint, he was really off his game because you know, this is something that really triggered something serious and he just kind of didn't, you know, because any contestant knows you don't do the pre-made stuff. That's that's how you get thrown off the show. Uh, unless it was a Tanya in the in the um, in, in quick fire where she had the pre-made dough for the 30 minute thing for her mushroom tart. But, um, yeah, I was wondering if that was a fuck you for the alcohol. Yeah. Like I'm a chef. I didn't come here to play with beer and soda water like I'm I, and but anyway, that's just uh, now I'm just throwing conspiracy theories. You know, now when brother got sent home, there was a little bit of moment on the show, Kevin, where Chris said, hey, you earned I don't know if it was brother. Yeah. Brother told Chris, hey, you earned the immunity. Don't worry about anything. You earned that immunity for this round. And then brother gets voted off. And I felt like if you saw Chris's face after brother got voted off, it looked like someone shot his dog. 
I mean, he, it looked, I mean, maybe it was the whole recovering alcoholic, um, combined with the fact that brother got voted off after he beat brother to get that immunity. But it looked, it was, it was sad. It was sad to see. And brother was such a big part of that show. And I think in, in terms of his charisma, um, he's generally a big guy and there's the, a big guy theme in this, in this season. But, uh, Chris just looked, it was, it was a rough week for Chris. I'm glad we talked to him last week because things were a little bit brighter for him, but this was a tough one for him. Yeah. And, um, he is sitting with, I mean, your point system, he's got he's got two high finishes, one win. So three out of six weeks, he's been at the judges table being showered with compliments. He's got two bottom, you know, bottom three plus this week, which was no great shakes. I'm shocked he didn't. Well, I guess you don't bring anybody on the bottom three if they have immunity. You, you, uh, but they didn't do that whole thing where you're lucky you have immunity, mister. Um, but, uh, they, they could have, they could have, but maybe, maybe they did say that and it was edited out. Um, so but he's right, right up at the top. There's a chef I'm conflicted about, which is Adrian. She's missing free throws, Tom. She's nailing her proteins. You see the presentation the, I mean, she did a, for the, for the, for the elimination, she did a gorgeous piece of Arctic char, lightly smoked, I believe, uh, asparagus, this lovely pumpernickel crumble, like exactly the accent you would want for a high German challenge. And yet, and there's a whole montage of moments in this early, in this very young season where she's clearly undersalting and under seasoning her food, which is the thing that just really, you can tell, pisses off Tom Colicchio. Oh, um, but it's a cardinal sin. But it's yeah. a cardinal sin and very correctable. And so on one hand, like, like, and she, I mean, she's basically missing free throws. And I, I wonder now that she's gotten the message is this, I mean, because generally speaking in terms of nailing preparation and technical work. I, she's one of the three or four best technical chefs in the pool right now. It, so is it just a salt issue? Because she is essentially leaving money on the table. She's getting all the difficult things right and all the easy things wrong. And I still think she has a lot of talent, though. When I look at the grid, you know, she's got four lows and in, in two middles uh, in, the, in the elimination challenge. And I don't know. I mean, she's won, I think, uh, she won... Uh, where is she? She I'm, I'm doing my 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 work here. Uh, she won the little people challenge. But <laughs> oh, she you know, kind of I'm sure just very low on your on your standings list. I, I would assume yeah, she's, she's last of she's nine. She's still in the negative. Yeah, she's still in the negative. Yeah. Um, she is. Right. She's not doing so good. She's actually the lowest scorer of the remaining contestants but i do feel like you're right is that that she is a little bit of a buy low candidate because of the fact that there is a very correctable uh mistake that she's having every time she's just under seasoning and there was a really fascinating quote that she had that her the chef that she worked under said that um if it tastes good and seasoned to you it's probably too salty for guests and tom just lost his shit Whoever told you that advice, just forget it. (laughs) Um, You have five players left. I have four players left. Um, We're kind of at the midway. Basically, we're at the trade deadline. And I just wonder, Tom, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm calling you. I'm calling. You're a GM. I'm a GM. And uh, I'm making calls. Who's available on your roster? Look, uh, Joe Stash is not available on my roster. He's not available. He's he's. All right. All right, you have to you have to absolutely blow me over with an offer. Um, he is my. I'm not going to say Giannis. He's not my Giannis, um, but he might be my Porzingis. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. If I put Fatima in play, now we're talking. If you have 
if you have Fatih I'm not, I'm not and, ready to yeah. do it, but I want to I want to start okay. constructing some. I mean, here's the question: Fatima or, or Joe? Who you got? Who you got? Oh, I think it's Joe. Yeah, so do I. So I'm, I'm a bad I'm a bad negotiator. I'd be a terrible GM, Tom. <laughs> like, <I'd be laughs> well, here's so the thing bad. about Joe. Joe has got a little Katsuji in him, and what I mean by that is that he has so many um, techniques and things that he wants to do. He has got a little bit of a problem with editing. But man, like like this week, he you know tried to. He, I think we've talked about it a few times with him, where he uses the phrase "bite off more than I could chew," and he is so good that he can take huge bites. Right, huge bites, and he pulls it off. So Joe, I still think is just technically, in terms of personality, I think he's got favorite written all over him. So I, I would not entice a straight up Joe Tafati deal. Uh, let me think. Who else? Do all right, I- how about this? Joe and Adrian for Fatima and Flam. No, and I like Adrian, and I think she's a better <laughs> chef than her score. Oh I think- man. I, I like her. I just now. By the way, if when we trade, do you get the points? Do you inherit the person's points, or just from here on out? No. I think just from here from on here out. From here on out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from here um, on out. What do you want for? What do you want for Claudette? We're gonna bring her on after this. Oh, because then you have to explain. Well, she won't know. We're recording, Claudette. You won't know that we're talking prior to a conversation about you. I'm inquiring about your trade status from Team Tom, Claudette. Hmm. So just uh, you, you're not you're not going to hear this until later. So I really like Claudette. I really think she's good. And there's just not a good trade. I mean, and you're holding on to Bruce. I'm holding if I on to Bruce, Bruce. I needed to call you three weeks ago. You really did. You uh-huh. really did. I mean, he. I guess you could say he's a, uh, a sell high candidate right now after winning last week's and then winning uh, top three in this week's, but. Um, you know what? If I'm going to give up Bruce, it's either Fatih or Chris are going to have to come back. All right. Well, let me talk to you about Chris. And I love you, Chris, but no, everybody's tradable. Everybody's tradable. <laughs> everybody's tradable. Except LeBron, right? Like, like uh, I will would trade you, do, you. All right, go ahead. Would you do Claudette for Chris? Ooh. Hey, listener, it's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer, Mays, here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not so wise man once said, It's not that hard, just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from Butcher Box? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high quality meat and seafood you can trust, delivered right to your doorstep, free shipping, always, a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need, premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store, you're stressed, you got a lot of food to get, and then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, 
That is butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Throw in dinner. Okay. At where? Dinner at Mustache Joe's Joint, which I haven't been to in in Beverly Center. This is a, throw this in is, a dinner check. You just want a piece of Joe. That's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I no, I just think <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think I think I'm saying going forward. I just kind of I think Claudette is cooking with a real confidence right now. And I think Chris is awesome, but I also, I just think, I think Claudette's trajectory is just really high. Um, there's got to be a dinner check or a 2000 season 17, your fourth pick in the season 17 draft. One of those two things. Uh, well, this is 15. So you want to go two seasons? Well, I'm going to make it like, I mean, you know, you can replenish. That gives you a little more time to prepare and. But your 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 fourth choice, not the number four pick, but your fourth pick in the season. We swap for my your fourth pick for my next pick. So we do a pick swap. In other words, I get to flip for you. So if you're picking first, it would be my. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I get your fourth pick for, and you go bump down. Okay, I will do that. Forget the dinner. Right, forget I will dinner. do. I will do the pick swap for next year. So the terms are season sixteen or season seventeen. Which which one? Sixteen. Season sixteen. I'll do a season sixteen pick swap of my fourth pick. My fourth selection goes to you, and then your fifth. Your fourth selection. It, it depends because it'll be a snake draft, so it might be that your fourth is right before your fifth. In other words, if the person who picks first, they get their first pick, and then their second, third, and fourth and fifth together. So it could okay. be like the next pick after your fifth. But if you're the other person, then it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just by virtue of our two-man draft. It's just weird. But yeah, basically when it's time for your fourth pick, I get it. And then you get my next pick. Okay, the agreement, the agreement is, is, is the deal is agreed in principle, Kevin. And we'll work out the thing. The, the tr- yeah, it is agreed in principle. You can start tweeting it out, people. Uh, we need to send Mark Stein. Um, we need to send... Uh, Brian Winhurst, a text that the 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 deal is agreed in principle. Chris, I, I think Scott given where I work, um, I, I think it's best that I don't put out trade alert in my tweet. I think you're, I think maybe the pack your <laughs> knives tweet should um should be the uh, the the appropriate uh, feed for this. But yes, we have all right. Team Kevin has agreed in principle to a trade. We are wow. sending Chef Chris Scott to Team Tom in exchange. For Chef Claudette Zapeta Wilkins and writes to a, a pick swap with Team Tom for his fourth pick for the season 16 draft in exchange for my following pick. Yep. 
Done. You want to make this trade call? Somebody call the league. (laughs) Somebody call the league. Get the league on the phone. I'll I'll call the league. I'll call the league. Get the trade call. And oh, wow. uh, that you, was you can tweet you, you know what? You can tweet that shit out now. I feel this is this is hard because I feel like Claudette was one of my big draft picks and she was coming in strong recently. So I feel bad about this, but we should bring her on. I I think it's time to bring on Claudette. If you have any stray thoughts here, maybe we bring it uh bring in Claudette. I, I think do you want now when she comes in, do you want to talk about do you want this to be made public knowledge? Oh man, we we kind of have to. I yeah, feel I think like. we have to. We have to. All right, let's let's let's, let's bring her in, Tom. Uh, coming up really shortly. Planets of Hayda Wilkins, chef from season fifteen. joined now by Claudette Zapata Wilkins, um, who is a contestant on season 15 and is kicking ass currently. She is set to open El Jardin in San Diego later this year, and we're very excited for that. She was the chef de cuisine at Bracero in San Diego in the Little Italy neighborhood, and that was a really big deal restaurant. Claudette, how are you? Yep. Good. How are you guys? We're having yeah. a great time doing this uh, doing this podcast this season. Awesome. Good. Yeah, it's been really funny to, or fun to hear all the outtakes and what you guys the perspective that everybody else has so i've been enjoying all of the podcasts this season what are we most wrong about um you know you, you guys hit it on the head the nail on the head on the first one where you or i think it was episode two where you kind of did the draft um i haven't listened to this week so i haven't even watched the episode either i have just had a really busy week but you're pretty much spot on. Some things here and there. Uh, I think it was Kevin that said that I was going to be the asshole this season. No, that was Tom. That was Tom me. said you were going to be. Oh, I said you were going to be the truth teller. Well, it's That's the right. same That's thing. Tom. It's the same thing, Kevin and Claudette. Being an <laughs> asshole requires you to be the truth teller. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, well, Kevin, you said I was going to be the what Greek? Uh, what is it? The Greek what chorus. I think you would kind of yeah, the the, the, the yeah. kind of the, the sound, the, the voice of the Greek chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, what um you are a trash talker though that is undeniable you were you were talking some yeah. shit on on television about your fellow chefs is it in the spirit of competition is it in sort of a is it in a dream on green kind of way like what, what what's going on absolutely i was you know i grew up with nothing but brothers so trash talking yeah. is an art um mm. you know haters gonna hate all those you know hashtags or whatever but i grew up with boys i grew up with sports i grew up with heckling each other so for me it's like it's funny some people i mean i've gotten hate mail for people watching the show and like being really disappointed quote unquote on me but actually to me it's still funny because we all have such a great relationship off the show you know and even off camera and everything so it's a show. It's a reality show. Like if we it's were a game. Like it's a competition. Super... Like there are winners yeah. and there are losers. How boring would be if everyone was super PC and said, oh, my God, everyone, I hope everyone wins. Everyone gets a trophy. No, that's not the real world. <laughs> um, would, uh, I want to talk about regional cuisine in Mexico really quick. Because, I mean, okay. one of the things that I learned just kind of living in Southern California for 20 years now is, like, saying Mexican food is about as precise as saying American food. I mean, I don't know if there's a country where regional cooking is more distinct from, like, province to province than Mexico. Like, Guadalajara, like, Yaliscan food is completely different from Yucatan food. Like, the fact that we would just consider them under one umbrella is kind of ridiculous. There's also a Yaliscan place I love here in – actually, it's in Bell, California called um, La Casita Mexicana. Um 
that I love uh, with a couple of chefs. But Yaliskan food is decidedly different than what most people in our country know as, quote, Mexican food, right? Yeah, I mean, you go, there's, you know, the regions really kind of are dictated by the terroir of that area. So so you have kind of the best of both worlds. You have inland, you have coastal areas. uh, But it really, it ends up being the regionality gets determined not only by the environment and the like the what can grow and all that stuff, but really who landed there. And that really changes the the day to day like food on the table. In the Yucatan you had slave trade ships, so you had a lot of like Caribbean African um, spices coming through. Um and then you have, you know, the Mayans and the Aztecs and so in Guadalajara there's no the Aztecs the reign of the Aztecs was below Guadalajara. So the indigenous tribes of Jalisco, Nayarit are the Huicholes. So they have their magic, uh, but, you know, it's one of the most, it's known, but not known for their cuisine. The Huicholes are known for their art, but you have some amazing magic that happens in Jalisco with food and the cheese and the dairy is, you know, unparalleled. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to put Mexico in one giant basket because there's even in what if you go to Guadalajara, you go to Jalisco and you go to different parts of Jalisco, you're already looking at three different recipes performed differently because of what they have near them. Um, I just, I, I, you know, the, the best thing about cooking regional food is like the best approach to you cook what you have. If you don't have it, like, I guess you're not putting it in the dish. And so it really goes down to making work with what you have. Which is very top chefy, right? Like that's basically the show. Yeah, yeah. When we're giving the parameters where we can use uh, everything, yeah. You know, the hard thing for elimination challenges is you can't use the pantry, so you only have to use what you purchase. That's when it gets interesting because not everything's available in grocery stores. There's a there's an eater story, uh, eater dot com story right now. What could a matriarchal re- uh, restaurant look like? San Diego chef Claudette Cepeda Wilkins says her new modern Mexican restaurant El Jardin will be a project of women. How did your upbringing, growing up with three or a uh, family full of brothers, how did that influence your style of cooking? What did you want to become in the chef world? You know, I never, I, I never sought out for the celebritydom of cooking. Um, it's the one thing that I've always, I've tried leaving. Trust me, I, you know, making nine bucks an hour with two kids, staring at you, wanting things, is, is incredibly hard to live this life and have children and being alone when I was a single mom. But, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. I was really good at arguing. Um, I really good, and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed fighting a lot, um, but. We can tell. We can tell. I always yeah. was drawn back to the kitchen, always drawn back to the kitchen. And that comes from going to, you know, spending the summers in Guadalajara. My aunt had a restaurant where I went everywhere with her. I went to the market. I went, I stood on a stool and, you know, prepped the little couturements that go in the pozole. And I was always drawn to the kitchen. It was a sense of gratitude to have to feed people. And I could see people's like smiles on their face. And that feeling, there's like nothing like it. You can't rep the satisfaction you get when people eat your food and just kind of like hum a little bit, maybe close their eyes. That is so gratifying. Um, and once I got a taste of that, I, I knew that that this was good. I was a lifer. This was going to be the career that I was just going to do and try to make it work as much as possible. But being raised with brothers, you know, and you know, my brothers always joked that I'm the I'm the uh, the hardest one of all the boys, and. 
you know, it does kind of make you grow a little bit of thicker skin, you know, because we were always roughhousing. I was always, you know, the, I, I remember kicking kids and boys on my sixth grade notebook. Like it said, you're the best fighter in elementary school, like <laughs> a tomboy. But it helped me in the kitchen because I, I didn't see myself as a female walking into a kitchen. I just saw myself as a cook. So it was never, I was never like, okay with being you know dismissed or passed on like I was always asserted myself and put myself in that position of listen I can do this too and you know always pushing my my interest and I started in pastries and I went to butchering and then I went to savory and I've never I've never like stopped me and a lot of that is the women that have always like raised me they've always I've had really strong independent women that helped me get through life hey um who are you closest to on the show during the shoot during the shoot? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if I'm close to anyone in the house. Um, I kind of, I don't really, the only one that I found a connection with was Laura, and that was when I left. So when I left on the second episode, you you know, we go to a house uh, or, you know, a separate living situation. And uh, Laura and I, she was the only other mom. She was the one that I could connect with, a little bit older. In the house, uh, I never felt there, if that makes sense, which had a lot to do with why mentally it was really hard. You know, it was hard to, when you don't have that connection, and I had the worst part of it was I had preconceived ideas of what it was going to be like because of Top Chef Mexico. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. crazy type. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just different. You know, it, when you're around people that all grew up the same, we all have the same jokes. We all we all understand each other. Um, during filming, it was Rogelio. And then when he left, and then outside, it was Rogelio and Laura. So after they left, it was just, I just kind of kept to myself. Fati, uh, I got along great with Fati. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. What I is knew different? that it wasn't going to be. I'm sorry. What is different with Top Chef Mexico and Top? Is it just the cultural differences between, you know, you're you're going to Top Chef, um, you know, the original, where it's just people from all different backgrounds, uh, areas, different cuisine, but is it just culturally you just didn't hit it off with with the people like you did at Top Chef Mexico? Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it was at first it's like, oh, maybe it's me, maybe they don't like me, and then you start, you kind of revert to being that like insecure person. At least for me, it's like I don't know if it's me, like maybe it's me, and I don't know. It just started messing with my head a little bit, but I try to get out of it. I don't drink very much, um, so that I don't have that commonality with a lot of you know industry people. I don't drink because I don't drink at home. I've tried to never bring alcohol in my house with my kids. So it's it's just a different lifestyle, you know, and, and it was culturally when you go to Mexico, it's, you know, I had all my like their brothers and sisters, you know. Mm. So what are your hacks on the show? In other words, I think uh, there, there are things that there, there are all these great debates about the show. We have them here, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when do you bring out a dish that you wouldn't for a, a, a 200 person German, high German thing versus, hey, I've got this in my back pocket. Um, how much risk do you take with, with each challenge? The truth of the matter is, as we all know, as much as you want to cook your food, the, 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 the task is not to be the worst dish. It's like all you have to, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the slowest person from the bear. Um, and yeah. uh, is, I mean, what are some of your hacks? 
Uh, well, you know, I'm like, I'm the least successful of doing that as far as having a preconceived plan. I feel like whenever I plan something, because I'm such a control freak, I plan it to last detail. And Top Chef is the worst place in like history of everything that you can pre-plan something. Because when you think you have an edge on them, guess what? They're going to flip it around and you have no idea. So and I would basically be out the first, as like the super planner. I would just be out the first week. I would just be so screwed. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 like a, a perfect example on uh, episode two where we went, we all thought we were going to do vegetables and, and animals and boom, cheese. Like we didn't even think of that realm, you know? So just, it really, as soon as you start having a preconceived idea is when the whole fucking thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a preconceived idea of Whole Foods, but every Whole Foods is set up by the region, like where they're at. So what my Whole Foods here in San Diego has, Colorado Whole Foods doesn't have. You know, so it's like all of those things, you just can't plan for them. Um, the only thing I can say is I'm, throughout my Top Chef U.S career sort of through LCK and everything. It was always just, you know what, just cook my food, like cook my flavors. Um, and it was the elimination challenges where that got tricky, but I just had to like improvise. And there was like a, a level of improvisation that's like basic. And then there was that like one up. I had to always level up because the only thing that were available for my particular cooking style was raw ingredients. I didn't have anything dry. So it, you know, it's, it's definitely tricky. So um, it's, what, take us behind the scenes on Last Chance Kitchen. Are you um, – so you're living in a separate house with the other contestants that are in Last Chance Kitchen. It always make me feel kind of a bummer to see like Laura and Rogelio um, in the Last Chance Kitchen just kind of sitting on the side. So what do you do when you're eliminated? You're just – I know you were, you're continuing to – to compete in last last chance kitchen that's got to be an awkward dynamic right they're kind of sitting on the sidelines while you're competing and they got to do that for weeks like are, is it taped different times the real show like can you walk us through that um well it's all it's you know the good thing is we have we have each other in the you know the plan b living quarters um we have each other so laura and i really leaned on each other a lot Mm -hmm. for like emotional support and her son was you know back in alaska you know i had my husband here in san diego with the kids and they're they're fine they had already kind of gotten used to the top chef mexico departure i was gone for three months for that so you know my family was okay but i was there for moral support and we cooked like we were living in uh like sweet slips sort of with hot plates and me and Laura would make huge meals and we would feed everyone. And that, that was kind of like our therapy. Um, so it ends up being time flies, uh, believe it or not, but it does, you do get a little restless because you don't have your cell phone. You don't have, you know, all of the things that you go in not having, you still don't have when you're out. So it, it gets tricky. You have to learn how to kind of be your own therapist and lean on each other. Um, the filming part, you know, we're all friends. So at the end of the day, you're still cheering your friends on. So it's not like it messes with you a little bit. I'm sure they felt, you know, and I think Rogelio, you know, we've had conversations where he, you know, he, he sees the film back. And he's like, damn, I look pissed. Um, but I think that he's got, he's such a talented chef and he's got way more to show. And that's, I don't think that people should like Top Chef doesn't make you a good or bad cook. You know, you can, it's just the extreme situations that you get put in that, oh, maybe it wasn't your day, but mm. it doesn't define us as chefs. Does that make you, sense? 
Yeah. And you kind of found yourself. I mean, there was a, I mean, in fact, you kind of last chance kitchen is kind of where you went to like, yeah, she was, she was I mean, in the Instagram, got, just like watch last chance kitchen. And she right, was, no, but I mean, you yeah. became a, yeah, exactly. You became a much more competent contestant. I want to say chef. You're probably perfectly comp- competent in your own kitchen, but like in terms of the context of the show and the weird stuff you have to do as a chef, I mean, She's it seemed baller. like yeah. you had, you got a win or two under your belt in last chance kitchen, man, you were gone. Like you were, this is, you've got this essentially. And you're yeah. I mean, you know what? Before I went back into Last Chance Kitchen, I was trying to, because I was so negative at the fact that I didn't have like my chilies and my ingredients and, you know, I didn't have, not even masa meal, which is not something that I cook with. I maximize my own corn, but it's like, at least give me something. Um, and the pantry had it. So that was my time to, I made a list of like, I think brother did a picture of the kitchen layout and like how to make his time most efficient. Um, so I did that, but all the ingredients in the pantry before I went back. Oh. So I knew exactly cause I had, you know, I had already gone there a couple of times. I knew exactly where everything was. I knew what was available. And then I started kind of doing a little like Venn diagram of like, okay, if I get this, if I get this. So I had, that's when I started planning because I knew what my ingredients, at least the going to be. And once I saw the ingredients wheel in every challenge, it was they were just completely in my wheelhouse. They were not ingredients we had any other time. If I had tongue on a regular four-hour challenge, I'd blow their freaking minds. But <laughs> you had to make it work in Last Chance Kitchen, you know. But it wasn't the like, tongue's not available at the, oh. at the Whole Foods Market, so it's it was completely in my wheelhouse. So I was really excited to be able to show Tom more than anything because I never want to go out, you know, not being me. Yeah, I, I love I, a good um, lingua. Yeah. yeah, I was saying language is kind of that's that's my go-to. Um, hey, I want to ask you about your dish this week because um, you did for the German challenge, and it's you, it's like you kind of got your flavors, and you did a cilantro, lemon, liverwurst, beef schnitzel, potato salad. Tell me about habanero ash because Tom mentioned that you finished it with that. It's a really nice touch. Like as yeah. an intermediate home chef, like is that? I mean, first of all, I I got to habanero scare the hell out of me because I was once cutting one and then rubbed my eye like just because I rub my eyes all the time so that, I've that was eaten like a three of them thing. whole in the past two weeks I understand oh, your pain yeah we've got to tell you about Tom's challenge what with like no um, I've seen it awesome so you, you um you're you're here by challenge by the way I, I'm gonna challenge you on behalf of Tom yeah uh, well funny tidbit I just had ulcer surgery the 27th of December oh, no. so I can't have anything yeah okay then, for then, another three weeks <laughs> then, oh then, three weeks but, okay like, can I? What, what is habanero ash? Is that something? It seems like they were so charmed by it, and I want to know what it is. You can. I mean, anybody can do it. It's literally just forget them in the oven. <laughs> yeah, you just torch the shit out of it, and then you and then you take the ash, and then that's it. Okay. See, these are things yeah, I don't it, know. It, it seems exotic. Yeah, you know, it almost mellows it out a little bit. It gives it that little bit like a charred, smoky quality, um, and it's it, it's spicy, but not. Not at the level that habaneros are normally spicy, so they're a lot more approachable. And when you do an ash, obviously it's not like you're throwing a ton in there. You know, you just want it so it's that like underlying flavor of you don't know what it is, but it's good. It adds something to it. It adds depth of flavor. Uh, and you can do it with any chilies. I ash. I usually do habaneros with um, green onions and garlic and I burn all of that and then make an ash out of it. So do you, do you open the, the, do you chop, is it the flesh or do you, you cut it open and, and do you put any oil on top? To, I just uh, do the flesh and just no, no, no oil, nothing, just dry okay. pan. Wow. Wow. Good to know. So I have to confess to you. So I'm not a fussy eater, Claudette. Like I'll eat any organ meat, 
like, you know, awful. It's there's no I'm not one of those. Oh, that texture bothers me. People like there's no texture that can upset me. There's one thing in cooking and use it all the time that I just cannot like get with and Claudette, it's cilantro. Cilantro. Yeah, yeah yeah and, and like and, and kevin's like, speaking oh, for me right now kevin is speaking for me right now so just, oh, are, just are you are you also a cilantro phobe tom do i know yes, this yes yes it, yes really? it's like yeah it, it's and people are like does it taste like soap and i'm like no you know what it tastes like it's like if you if you took a bundle of parsley and you stuck it up somebody's ass, <laughs> no, and then okay. and then like I'm out you, on no, this. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. And then you left it there for three days, and then they died. No. And then you left it another two days, and you took it out. Like, like it's like the kind of there are things that we all like more than other things. Like, I'm not a huge fan of raw peppers, but like I'll deal with them, and I understand their appeal. To, you know, there are certain flavors I don't like as much as others, but like cilantro is one of those things that when I get any hint of it. It's like I can't imagine another human being not finding this like like any less like appealing or more than shit. Like oh, we all man. agree that like it, it's that bad and and it really hurts me because so many chefs like you, especially living in Southern California, like I love like regional Mexican cuisine and it, it's it's everywhere. I love like so much Asian flavor, especially in you know Thailand, Vietnam, and I just I can't fucking tolerate it. <laughs> so how often do you get? Well, hey, can you, you eat it? I'm sorry. Like, do you eat it at all? No, I mean, I, I avoid it like the plague. Like, I just ask a lot in restaurants. Does it have it? I never ask for the substitute. Like, one thing I always respect with you guys is I, I'm I'm a fan of no substitutions in this institution. Like, I, I am a um, I, I I am a believer that you don't go in and tell the chef, well, can you do it this way? That like, you guys put so much thought and care and love and planning and and thought into that dish. Like, I don't want to. I do need to know if it has it because I'll just like not consider it. But I never yeah. ask unless it's a garnish. Like it, like there's this place I go for whole baked Vietnamese fish and they garnish it all the top. They sprinkle a ton of it. And I'm just like, hey, just leave that off and it's no problem. But I would never ask you at your at El Jardin, oh, hey, just tell the chef I don't like cilantro. <laughs> now, if they ask, do you have allergies? I don't say it's an allergy because I don't want to. It's not going to I'm not going to die. I will say, you know, I don't care for cilantro, but I don't want to impose on the kitchen. That's what I say. Yeah, um, I actually, it it would happen. You know, it happens more than you think. It's really funny. At Berthero, we would get a lot of cilantro, onion, and garlic allergies, and I would just look at the server and like, we're gonna kill them if they walk in here because something has breathed on something that is related to the allium family or the cilantro family. So, you know, if it's a religious allergy, no. We can't serve them uh, because I never know, you know, somebody, it's cilantro, you're chopping cilantro, then chopping onions, and then you put it in, you're screwed, you're dead. Um, but nine times out of ten, it's just an aversion to it. Uh, and then you, as soon as you start saying, well, kind of everything has this, people then, you know, backtrack. Oh, well, okay, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I can have it. Or if it's cooked. Uh, Screw the onion and garlic, I people. I, I think so. Hey, what's the most annoying request you get from sir? Like when you're in the kitchen and a server, like what, what just is like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, how are we going to deal with this? Like, what, do you have any of those that just annoy the hell out of you? Like what we know what annoys us about restaurants. What do what do what annoys restaurants about customers? It's the people that don't have open minds that want to create their own menu, you know, yes. and it's, that's you do it. You, I've learned to have a little bit more grace and not flash out on even the servers that come ask you know the idiotic questions but i feel like diners when they go to a restaurant well they know that they're going to a restaurant 
you know, they should either pre-eat or, or, you know, let go a little. And it's the control eaters that, you know, want very specific meals and then want you to bend, belt, bend over backwards on it. And it's like, you know, all this work is already put into place. And a lot of our dishes are two, three day preps. They're not, we don't, you know, the thing about Mexican food, a lot of it is slow cooked, long processes. So, um, when you get a, when you want, say they want carnitas, but they don't want it in fat. Well, then it's not carnitas. <laughs> you just want a pork chop. That's... You know, it's like, I can't back it out. You know, once it's done, it's done. Um, and then when it, it, and it's just, it gets a little too much. And it's like, I, I have, as my, as I've aged, I've gotten a little bit more graceful on it, but it's like, geez, stay fucking home. Like I try, we try <laughs> to accommodate all diners, especially being in California. You know, all my menus have even vegan dishes that are approachable. But it's still the people that still look at the menu and can't find anything there, and they try to create their own. And then that, that, that gets a little bit like, well, then don't go to a chef-driven restaurant. Go to an Applebee's or go somewhere where the people can eat something out of a bag. Hey, Tom, what's your weird one? Do you have any, like, when you, like, request? You're pretty easy. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking Tom. No, I'm pretty easy. I think cilantro is the uh, the only thing that I will not have. I'll, I'll just be like, hey, can you hold a cilantro? And what's really tough about cilantro is sometimes it's ba- it's like baked into the salsa, right? So like it's very right. hard to like at, at certain Mexican restaurants or what have you. The the answer is usually like, yeah, we can't just undo that. And now I'm thinking Claudette hates me because a lot of the time <laughs> like her dishes are probably baked in. Like you can't just remove after the fact. Post hoc, just get the cilantro. It's not just the garnish, right? So I think she just hates me. <laughs> no, and it's funny. Um, a lot of the so I've been researching it in all of the work up to Halloween. I've been reading like the historical uh, history of Mexico and whole from the 15th century to today on food. And um, I have one salsa on the menu that is, is like a pre-Hispanic salsa. So it doesn't have onions. It doesn't have cilantro. It only has the things that were in Mexico during the pre-Hispanic era. So, you know, it, there there are things. If someone says, honestly, I just don't like it, I will bend over backwards to give them something that they'll like. Oh, It's when someone lies and says, I have an allergy. Well, then I'm afraid to even do anything, you know, but if people are honest, like, it's so much easier to, you know, they just don't like it. Okay, I can live with that. As a grown-up, I know that I know that I have the things I don't like. If someone was just honest and said, I just can't eat it. Okay, perfect. I can work with that. I can work with honesty. So, I'm, you know, Thomas Keller said it best. If someone comes into my restaurant and orders sweet potato fries, it's my job to get them sweet potato fries. You want cornflakes? I'll run to the store and get you cornflakes. I'm still going to charge you $200, but I'll give you cornflakes. You know, so... We're, I can accommodate rational adults. Uh, it's the people that try to get around by lying about allergies, which is, I think, it's so irresponsible. It's like saying your service, your cute dog is your service dog. It's like it really, you know, at least lessens the ability for other people to actually bring service dogs. I mean, to believe them. So it yeah, may- you sort of see the service otters, and then there's some really like crazy things, and yeah. Yeah, did you you saw my post the other day? Of like, I'm sorry, you can't bring food in here. It's like this is my service burrito. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Claudette, you just gave some really good life advice. Just be honest with people. And so I'm going to be honest with you right now. Um, <clears throat> just gotta, just gotta say it. I just traded you off my fantasy team. Yeah, I just traded okay. for you, Claudette. You got traded. 
it cost me Chris Scott, but I also got a a, a, a swap pick as well. Claudette, I'm I'm sorry. I it's not it, it's not an indictment on you and the hard work you've done. In fact, I think the qualities that I like about you, I just worry that you're too good at your job. You're too good at being uh, uh, a truthful person and honesty that I. I I was like, you know what? I want her in my kitchen. I just don't know if she's perfect top chef material. I will go to her kitchen every day of the next week. But I just I had I made a move with Kevin, and you just so happen to be on the sh- on the show today. So there there you have it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you're, you're now no on problem. team Kevin. You have been traded. All right. Three favorite tacos in San Diego area. Three favorite tacos in San Diego area. Um, Tacos El Gordo does a great street style taco. Uh, that's one of my favorite Adobadas go to for sure. What, 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 what um, neighborhood? Have, Tacos El Gordo. They have several different locations. They're um, Chula Vista. They have two locations. Um, they have one a little bit northern. It's, it's South Bay, but not. I don't think they've actually branched out further north than South Bay. Um, my second favorite taco is Ceviche House, with a mean fish taco. Uh, my friend Juan Carlos does a really good job of just working the best sustainable fish he can get in San Diego. I was just with him at the fish market this morning. Um, oh. and right, so what's the name? Wait, give us the name and location again. General Ceviche location. House in Old Town in San Diego. All right, good deal. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I think my third favorite taco, one, it's location. I have... Barrio Logan to me is one of my favorite spots in San Diego because it's really held up its integrity of the Chicano movement and Mexican families and that like culture of like brotherhood. Um, I particularly like their uh, Barrio Taco. Um, It's at Salud in um, Barrio Logan. All right, Salud. Salud, yeah. All right, and that's just that's like near the naval base, basically. Yeah, it's right underneath the Coronado Bridge. Yeah. Okay. So because um, good to know because these are. Uh, I mean, I'm in San Diego. You know, not frequently, but it's just a great visit. Um, and I'm always looking for a good seafood taco in San Diego, just because. Well, you'll San come Diego. to San Diego. You'll come to San Diego to see me once I open, right? Oh, you bet. Oh, I mean, there will okay. be an easy El Jardin uh, jaunt down there. That is great. Um, and I and I, I really enjoy San Diego. And um, so that that will that will be excellent. Yeah, you're now a member of Team Kevin. I'm very excited about this. Um, Awesome. This, is, this has been a good development today. Uh, Tom, anything else? Just in a puddle of tears right now. I feel so bad for trading Claudette. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Whatever, Tom. We, Whatever. We, I got to change my hashtag now. Now I'm Team Kevin and Team Tom <laughs> Colicchio. Well, you know what? You know what? I feel like did you did you learn something about Tom Colicchio's palate that really made you excel in Last Chance Kitchen? Where is there any? Did you just have to pour salt on everything? No, you know, my I mean, you know, Mexican food notoriously is good on it's plenty of acid and salt, Um, but he really dug the fact that I didn't hold back on the spiciness. I never, I know, I was never afraid of that one. You know, of that dish being too spicy, like my lengua taco, it. You know, it was spicy. It had, you know, serranos in there. And he was just, I remember he, he took a bite and I don't know if they passed it on camera. And he just goes, wow, that's really spicy. Yeah, he did. And, yeah, and as, yeah. it, as chili develops, you know, it changes a little bit in your palate. And he was like, it's really good. You know, it sticks around. So it was always something, it's one of those flavors that he can have three other dishes and he'll still kind of have in the back of his palate, my dish. 
which is kind of with my end game, really. And Padma's got really high tolerance for spice. Padma, yes, she does. Yeah, because I mean, she'll often complain uh, about a lack of it. But uh, right. Do you do you? I mean, do you know how to game the judging and so far? It's obviously you can go out and cook great food, but uh, do you know? Are there things you know you have to do for the judges? Um, yeah, yes and no. Some challenges call for it. Other challenges call for you just doing you uh, and hoping they get it. Uh, so, and, and that's that's the gamble. It's that's part of the game, you know. Hopefully, it's a toss up every day, every challenge. It's completely up in the air who's going to stay and who's going to go. Um, and it's you know sometimes you wake up in a shitty mood and it affects the way you play. So it really. It's everyone's game. Like I, I love seeing how things shift and how points go up and down and the shit talking that goes around. But it's really, I mean, there's some really strong chefs and they're, they're amazing at what they do and they have their voice and the ones that don't have their voice get it through Top Chef. So the evolving of each person is also beautiful to see. But overall, you just, I mean, every like I said, every fucking challenge is a new hurdle to go through um but you do kind of learn on what they like i still don't know what gail really likes i didn't have very many you know the i through the through the beginning of the season so as the season got forward and then i was like okay i kind of get it okay yes she likes this but because we have different judges that come in and out was like okay i want to keep cooking for him i want to keep cooking for her i had padma and tom completely locked from the beginning mm. um and then lck just solidified tom for me but it's cool to to get to know the judges more. Nice. We're we're gonna discuss Last Chance Kitchen next week, but uh, Claudette, did you see what happened on this episode with two and brother? <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. our little sidebar conversation on it. It's you know, oh, we oh. it's reality TV. Oh wait, so you're saying the uh, the editing showed a lot more beef than the actual beef between two and brother? Yes, of course. We okay. love each other. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Kevin. Kevin hasn't <laughs> yeah, seen it yet. Again, so. All right. And I haven't seen it yet. And, and yes, it is one thing to know, having worked on a reality show as a writer, like it is, yeah, they, the, the job is to amplify any, even the slightest conflict in, into right. a, a full scale war. Like that's what happens. That's, you know, so they get the things when they cut to somebody making a look while the judges are talking. It's often actually that look might have been made like 10 minutes ago. Uh, ten, ten days ago, oh, yeah, you never know. Um, Claudette, yeah. uh, I'm very excited to have you on the team, um, and I'm thrilled you joined us today. This is fun, and I cannot wait to get down. What do you think? Uh, what are you targeting for the open? We're looking for early spring, March. Crossing my fingers, uh, but the project's now. You know, we're in a hundred year old building that's historic. So when we went to go dig for plumbing, we found out that half of our kitchen was uh, sitting on top of a, a old sidewalk. So it's had its hurdles, and there's no plans for the actual understructure of the building or the top structure of the building. So we're pushed now to early spring, um, but I think all systems are a go, and we'll hit that target. Um, you might see me. My um, uh, my boyfriend covers Comic Con every year for a major U.S. Oh, cool. newspaper, and so yeah. I, I, I've been we've been talking about my tagging along, and this might have to be the year so that we can do dinner. I'm afraid um, to yeah, go. Yeah, I'll even make you a special menu, no cilantro for you. Yeah, but I don't want to be. Uh, all right, for me, yes, okay. I, I mean, I, I won't say no, but I also feel guilty <laughs> making you say yes. I'll just highlight the things that you can't eat. 
Yeah, but you know, if but, I sit down at that table, there's going to be tons of cilantro in there. <laughs> Just a bouquet of it. Yeah. It's going to be the centerpiece <laughs> in that table. <laughs> And then, like, I'm going to wash my hands. The soap is just going to be cilantro soap and, like, just everything. Like, the the, there's a candle on my table that is just burning cilantro. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not that hateful. Come on, guys. Okay. It's just a a show. It's how it's edited. I'm not that mean. No, I said you were a truth teller. I didn't even think you were an asshole. I thought you were a truth teller. (laughs) That was my (laughs) Oh, that was fun. Thank you, Claudette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we'll have to, I wish we had like another six years of this show because I'd love to have her back on. So thank you so much. And um, thank you for the four points you gave me this season. Thank you so much for those. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) (laughs) You guys should have given points for Last Chance Kitchen. I I kept telling you. You you know what? It was an oversight by ours. We're going to do it for for next season. We're going to have Last Chance Kitchen points. You have to. I mean, that's, it's the whole, the game completely changes. Yeah. You okay with that, Kevin? I'm okay with that. Okay. I, I've deferred all, all point system uh, final decisions to you. Oh, by the way, you're you're uh, right now, uh, as it stands, Claudette, you can hear this too. Ke- team Kevin, you are joining a winning team. Team Kevin has 108 points, and my team has 77. So Kevin is in the nice. lead. And right now, Claudette, we don't feel like there's a favorite, a heavy favorite in this competition. The point system that we developed – reflects that that there really isn't anyone who is head and shoulders above the rest so we're really excited for the rest of the season yeah i think so far we've broken every like stereotype of top chef previous cast right yeah tell tyler anderson and me yeah (laughs) yeah whoever wins the first elimination challenge is destined to be the winner and the next president of the united states and sure enough like that was totally false so oh god i can't imagine tyler as the president (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Well, uh, Claudette, thank you so much. Um, and we'll have you on at some point. I, I would love to have just like a big group Top Chef contestant podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be fun. That would be really cool. You'd have to make it like a two-hour special. We got a, oh, lot, we a lot of things to say. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on and saying them. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. This is Pack Your Knives. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.